Welcome to Heavy Strategy, where the questions are possibly better than the answers. In today's sponsored show, we're talking to Graphiant about their cloud networking as a service product. They've recently come out of stealth. What I like about this product is that it's what SD-WAN was 15 years ago and what we didn't get out of it. Like a lot of people got SD-WAN and then added some security to add value to it. And we know that there's like lots of SD-WAN companies with security, but there's still a gap around extra services that we need. How do we scale SD-WAN? How do we get the connectivity up? How do we get guarantees over the public WAN or the internet? And how do you scale large numbers of circuits with end-to-end encryption? Because IPsec isn't necessarily the way. Today, we're talking to Khaled Raza. Khaled is the founder and CEO of Graphiant. Of course, you may or may not remember him as one of the founders of Viptela way back in the dark days. When, when SD-WAN arrived, routers went off and died, and it's partly because of Khaled and his work over at Viptela. Khaled, welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. Let's Thank get, you, Greg. Let's get straight into the elevator pitch. What is it? Let, give me the pitch around what Graphene is, and then we'll start unpicking it and trying to work out how this fits into customers' network strategically. At the core of it, Graphene provides a reliable delivery of private programmable network. Programmability is very key. Hmm. And the programmability of the network is centered around the edge because the future is about the edge. And we do bandwidth-based licensing. We do not do our licensing based on feature. We do our licensing purely ba- around bandwidth, mm-hmm. and we deliver SLAs. That was was lacking on the generic SD-WAN because when you put the data, it goes on the raw internet. So at the core of it, Graphene is about two things, a private network, and we deliver it as a service. So why private? Once you have private network, you provide reliability, security, and privacy. And as a service, you provide agility and cost-effective solution. Every other part of computing stack has gone to as a service. Hmm. You look at compute, it's delivered as a service. You look at storage, it's delivered as a service. The last thing left is networking. Why are we still forcing customers to build a bespoke network while they can consume a programmable fabric? That's the gist of what Graphene is doing. So when you say a stateless network, does that mean I am going to be on-premises, I'm going to have some sort of device there which is going to send traffic into your network? Do you have your own network or are you tagging traffic over the internet and building a overlay network which you can get quality of experience out of? How does that just quickly work? Two things. The last mile, what was the beauty of SD-WAN? Freedom to choose the last mile. We give you that freedom. You can choose any last mile. From our perspective, we build this stateless score over an Equinix or a carrier neutral facility. The first hop is unpredictable, which is over the internet. As soon as you touch our port, it is private over a private fiber connection over an Equinix fabric, and it's completely stateless. So we don't carry a customer state inside of our network. We don't decrypt their data. We don't touch anything, except we give them a programmability through metadata uh, tags. So that means where SD-WAN is kind of like, it's all my problem. No, you have to buy an SD-WAN edge. You have to send the traffic in over the bandwidth. And you may still be buying legacy MPLS circuits with dedicated bandwidth, and you're still trying to build a quality of experience using the SD-WAN. What you're saying is I'm outsourcing it to you that you're going to handle the quality of experience. The only unreliable or unknown part is that first hop into the Graphene network. What excites me a lot about the future is the private 5G SDE. So your last mile could also become private. Now you have a complete end-to-end private experience. We're not there yet, but that's where the last mile problem gets solved. 
What I find interesting here is not so much the idea that you're outsourcing the customer experience, because as a customer, I may say, no, I don't need that outsourced, or maybe they do, maybe they don't. But what I find really interesting is the business-to-business -business scenario that says, you know what, I want a highly reliable, highly secure co connectivity to a particular entity, and that's also your cloud connectivity, but it can be a business partner. And guess what? There is a huge problem with worrying about that level of, of user experience if you're going to lots of different entities. That third-party access turns out to be a bear at a lot of large organizations. And the ability to just sort of say, oh, I'm, I'm going to turn up this other company as just kind of a, an ancillary capability of the solution, I think, is very interesting. So talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, so you're spot on. You look at what is happening, the future, everybody loves to talk about the future and the business to business use case is so interesting around healthcare and manufacturing. Exactly. When you, when you look at that sector, uh, manufacturing is so much of your data is generated on the factory floor and you'd rather not backhaul it to a cloud or you'd rather not backhaul it to a DMZ. If you have a proper architecture, you can do that peer to peer exchange because the future of internet connectivity is machine to machine, not user to machine. We as users can hope uh, don't see any glitch if it's less than 200 milliseconds. Well, machines will notice. Mm. You have dead compute sitting and wasted. So it needs to go back to the original architecture of peer-to-peer -peer communication. Internet was about peer-to-peer -peer communication. Exactly. We, changed, we mm. changed it to client-server in the last two decades because everything was centered around cloud hosting all the information and you downloading as a user. Well, the future is has it's changing it's the future is about the edge and it's about machine communication if you're going in that direction you have to go back to the basic principle of how internet becomes peer-to-peer -peer. you can't force everybody to re-address that infrastructure you don't have to do nothing mm -hmm. you can figure out how to connect peer-to-peer -peer because the data plane is stateless the control plane has the states and it programs the data plane now this is key just to flip back to technology for a second you're using a stateless architecture. Now, one of the things about SD-WAN is every time you form an IPsec tunnel or a TLS tunnel between nodes, that state has to be held in those edge points. And if you're building exactly. a very complicated partial mesh or a large full mesh, you have problems. But you do want the ability to build large-scale meshes, and that is, you know, lots and lots of point-to-point -point circuits where data can flow. You don't, And in MPLS, it's, it, it is that, right? It's an any-to-any -any architecture. But SD-WAN is still point-to-point -point at the underlying. And that's a key part about how you're talking about scalable or robustness. I send packet into your network. You put some sort of header on it inside your network and move it around so I don't actually yes. have to hold state. That's, that's a quick summary. Is that right? That is very, very right. But the, here's the beauty of it. You know, we're creating this core routing model, which is a pub-sub model. Our core will, will publish its characteristics. If you give me this metadata, I know exactly what to do with it. If you want, avoid, want to avoid a certain path, in a GDPR case, I have certain routing that happens inside of certain countries. You can take a path from Germany to Poland back into Germany. You can't do that in GDPR requirements. So you have to say, I have three paths. In current destination-based routing, you have a single route, and that's the only thing you have. With the uh, advent of MPLS, SRV6, SD-WAN concepts, you can do so many interesting things. You can say, okay, mm -hmm. my shortest path says go through Poland, but my regulatory path says you have to go within Germany. Right. And that's the beauty of these metadata pub tags we will publish, which we will give it to the source. So the edge so, decides how it will design and route the traffic. Khalid, I want to push on that a little bit. Some of our customers who tend to be very large enterprises are tackling this problem of network isolation 
you know, network segmentation. It's not necessarily something you're going to do in response to, say, ransomware, but we call it geo-isolation, where suddenly you may decide that, oh, gosh, we want to disconnect everybody from Taiwan if, you know, China invades or pick your, you know, pick yeah. your political scenario. Is there is there a use case in that direction for your solution? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at my entire career, I've been a routing guy for the past 30 plus years. So from my perspective, these use cases were so clear. The, the exact use case you highlighted pointed out inside of my previous life at Vitella and saying, oh, we can have issues because route hijacking happens on the internet. What if I have the ability to say, okay, you publish these characteristics to me that this is a circuit which is in Germany, for example, or is in Japan and it can't leave via Taiwan because somebody hijacked the routing in Taiwan, I will make sure that this circuit, that based on the physical circuit, you go through Germany, Singapore, and back into Japan. And just to keep pushing on that, that's actually dynamic. It's not something that you it, have to set and do lots of work to set. You can just say, oh, gee, I just read the news five seconds later, exactly. it's implemented. And, and that's why that whole model I was at earlier mentioning, mm -hmm. the PubSub model, we yep. publish our metadata to the source and source decides how to route it. That's the beauty of this architecture. So it's basically because... net network S-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can call that. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's going to resonate with anybody, but that's really what it is. It's like, here's your packet. You want to see yeah. where it's been? We're exactly. telling you that. Yeah, exactly. but it's still encrypted, right? It's not unencrypted oh, when yeah. it flows. It's still encrypted okay. when it flows across the graphene backbone. So Absolutely. although that is important, that's not, not a requirement as such if you just want encryption. Yeah. Uh, from a networking guy's perspective, that should be mandated. Nobody should touch any of your hop-by-hop -hop tunnel, decrypt, re-encrypt, and do a route lookup. Mm. Encryption should be in the hands of the source who decides. If I want my packet to be uh, decrypted, that should be decrypted at a service layer, and anybody should be able to decrypt it. So service, uh, security services, if you separate that from networking, your life is very, very simple. Network can flow as freely as possible, but if I want to intercept, if I want to touch the data, then I give it to the services security layer. Today, what happens is the way IPsec was constructed, it was constructed in its current form in a very predictable topology method that you touch, you hop, you decrypt, you look at, do a route lookup and you re-encrypt. Right. Now, on the other hand, if I say, okay, I don't touch your data, but I'm still able to route it through these metadata technologies, and you decide if you want to do a service chain, there is a, a, a information in the tag and where the service could be decrypted, and they have the keys. Me, as the network service providers, I have no keys of yours. I don't want your keys. If I get hacked, your compliance can break. I do not want to be participate in that. So from my perspective, network should never touch the data. Let the security services do whatever they want to do. As Uber proved this week, you know, just because you're in the cloud doesn't mean you're secure. What it actually means is that the blast radius is the entire thing. Or exactly. as we saw with other managed service providers, when they got cracked, hundreds of companies went down. One of the things that excites me is if my stateless core gets hacked, it doesn't have source IP destination information. It has the metadata tags, which are integrity protected. So if you hack my uh, data plane, it does not know how to get back. Yeah. I Yes, I will black hole your traffic, but I will never let anybody penetrate your network. That's a big difference than what anything has been done in the past. Because otherwise, if I anytime you do a route lookup and you get hacked, you can get back. Well, I don't do a route lookup. Yeah, you turn you transform an attack back into a DDoS in a sense, which is you know, yeah. bad, but it's, yeah. it's much more survivable than than getting attacked. Reach. 
there's also a whole new element of auditing capability that you're then delivering back to the to the security team, which is just an ancillary. Again, it's not the point of any of this, but it's an ancillary capability, which says we can tell you where all your traffic was and what happened to it while it was there, which actually turns out to be incredibly important from a security auditing and you know forensics perspective. That's important, I think, because we don't focus on that enough to say we know where the traffic's going. And in SD-WAN or you don't. In, a, in an MPLS, right. you don't any... actually know. You just cross your fingers and hope it works. All I can say for MPLS is, oh, it went on AT&T or Verizon or BT's network. That's it. That's all I can say. Exactly. Um, you know, I have I have carved out PVCs so I can tell you where it probably went by induction. On IP, it's like, good luck with that. <laughs> it got routed somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, and here you're able to say, no, this is exactly where your traffic was. It's, you know, it's in a sense, package tracking, you can say, okay, it's gone through. Here's every hop it's gone through, and we can tell you where people tried to open it or whatever. Exactly. And where if, if this was breached, it was dropped, and it's still getting back to neither it knows the source nor it knows the destination. Right. Mm. Let's talk about some customer use cases. Every customer's got a different need. One technology can be used by different customers for different purposes, or they buy it for a specific reason, even though they're getting the entire product. They usually just have one aspect of a product which attracts them. One of them that I really liked um, in our discussion earlier was this talk about quality of experience or SLAs, but I don't think we're talking about quality of service here. What we're actually saying is Graphient is in a position to be able to offer some guarantees around the experience of the network traffic, but less around quality of service. The first hop is uncontrolled, but the backbone you control to some extent. Is that, What sort of customers are, are looking for SLAs and what would they get from Graphian? I, I mean, I'm going to make an all look so an interesting observation around QoS mm -hmm. as well, but let's start with the SLA discussion. So if you look at the SLA, we will give you loss latency jitter as it goes through our stateless core, which by the way, is over a private network infrastructure. The minute you touch my network, I can guarantee you those SLAs. And on top of it, I've published those SLAs for you that this is the loss latency jitter because I know the characteristics of my core on the general generic SD-WAN model. And that was that was my long-term vision when I started even with Pella in 2012-13. Guys, this is step one. Step two needs to be how we can actually build this infrastructure over uh, giving ability to privatize internet at a scale at a much, much lower cost by putting these structures in place. So if I look at it, since I run that private backbone over a uh, infrastructure where I have the fiber connectivity, I can tell you exactly how much time it takes from my traffic to go from San Francisco to New York, because I am measuring that day in and day out. So you want to take an alternate path. You want to avoid a path from Seattle to into, say, New York and not going through Canada. Mm. That would increase your latency. But I have those characteristics measured and I have that information. That's the number one part of it, the SLA. The second piece of the QoS thing, what, one of the things that was very interesting to me from when these last mile providers started to offer voice over cable or voice over broadband, hmm. they used to provide quality of service within the context of their network. And then when they hopped off, they went into the PSTN network. So when, when I started to say, say, okay, guys, why can't we do a similar thing? I, if I peer with these big service providers at the last mile and... Yeah. Offer they offer that QoS today. The QoS is stripped off when the two carriers interact on on the internet. Says I'm not carrying your for QoS, but in case of Graphian, you give me that QoS, I will carry it because now all of a sudden you've hopped onto my private backbone, so I can give you a better performance on the low latency requirements that you have, best effort delivery. I'll just throw it on the larger different queues. So mm -hmm. from my perspective, what MPLS carriers were doing, we can 
remap that back into the stateless core because we have those functionalities that requires so that I can give you guarantees over WAN at a much, much lower cost, mm. much lower cost models well, as compared to what you get in MPLS. I'd like to steer away from QOS, quality of service, because that implies that you can deliver a packet inside of a given guarantee. I tend to lean much more into quality of experience with your product because you're also saying yes. I can route your packet according to some policy which might not necessarily have be a very good quality decision from a speed perspective or a latency perspective, but it might be a requirement. So it's really about the quality of experience and the experience might be a data flow on two different paths. One might have greater capacity. So I'm thinking of backup jobs. Sometimes yeah, it's absolutely. much better to send it on, you know, a backup job over a completely alternate path which has gigabit or 100 gigabit connections, but that's not necessarily the lowest latency, but it makes more sense to do so. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I'm, I'm going to jump in here and say that's all very well and good. Uh, I think there is a market for it. Um, I can't say it really excites me because essentially it's, you know, a ho-hum managed services argument with different technology. But, you know, there's always a case for that. What I do find exciting and interesting is another one of the use cases that you have, which is the cloud connectivity use case, um, because I think that's something that people haven't really gotten their arms around and, and don't know how to solve normally, because the question is, if I've got a cloud-hosted app uh, and I need to somehow provide that same quality of experience that Greg's talking about to that app, I don't really have a solution that's, or until now, a solution that that allows me to just pull the trigger and say, okay, here's here's how I'm going to ensure quality of experience access to that app. And you talk about being able to do that. I'd love to hear a bit more about how you do that and also how you can enable cost avoidance as part of that. So you and I, as we were discussing earlier, come from an enterprise, large enterprise background. So if you look at a typical large enterprise today, uh, the enterprises are running mix of corporate cloud application, and they are consumed by really desperate sets of users. So how do you build this N square, any location, any workload, which is sitting and user coming from anywhere? So, and in, interestingly, in some of the cases, you don't even own all the assets. Exactly. Hmm. And the, so, you certainly can't control the network to where the user is. So Exactly. You can't control where the network, where the user is, and even inside of the cloud, you don't control what re region, if there is an upgrade going on in the region, your asset can move. So if you can, your spin, your connections can spin up, spin down all the time. The analogy I give to people is you're, we are living in what we call digital wilderness. Yeah. Now imagine you're driving cross country with no GPS, no maps, and your roads change all the time. How do you build for that? Now from that perspective, you define few anchor points, which we will build in a Telex or an Equinex facility. We are actually having very interesting discussion with Equinex on their bare metal as a service from potential partnership perspective. As you go into this digital wilderness, how do you get the scale reliability of MPLS and you get the cost and agility of SD-WAN? Mm. So in the crux of it, you need to combine both concepts. There was brilliance in MPLS. Once you went into the MPLS core, you didn't have to worry about these meshes. But the problem is you had lost your policy control to the service provider. In this Especially case- Especially when you jump service providers. Like exactly. remember we got all excited about network to network provider MPLS and we were going to be able to share policy in end to end and it never happened because the, it was just so complex to be able to do in real life. You know why that was so mm. complex? Because control plane and data plane were merged at every hop. Mm. If you had separated the control plane, then in Graphian's architecture, the control plane sits in the cloud. 
Yeah. Now, control plane can have all the routing policies. Control plane can decide how the netting will be done. But the data plane is just the metadata tag. Yeah. From that perspective, it becomes so simplistic. So from our perspective, you connect to a cloud, multiple cloud, multiple colos, edge location. Your Our backbone publishes connectivity to those locations, and you just put insert the tag, and off you go. And it's a not guaranteed path. These unpredictable days we're living in, and yeah. it's going to become more and I more call, unpredictable. I don't call them unpredictable. I call them permissionless. I don't know if I need to connect to that cloud. Do I need to connect to Azure, or do I need to connect to Google or AWS? And do I have to then go and beg permission from some telco to give me access to a direct connect and give me... I don't want to do that. Just like when I'm at home and I want to go surfing Amazon to buy something, I don't want to have to go and order a circuit from a telco to connect to Amazon's network to be able to do that. That's what I'm looking for. That permissionless, no gatekeepers, no middleman, just get me there. You're spot on. You're yeah. spot on. I, lo I love that terminology. It's a permissionless. See, that's why the core publish is that if you want to use me, here are my characteristics. And on you, off you go. And that's what Graphene is trying to achieve. True SDN, where the data plane has no state of the control plane. Right. People have still, people are automating their IPsec and saying, but through automation, I can solve the problem. I saw that at some of my early customers. The scale became so big of a peer-to-peer -peer data plane even mm -hmm. that it's not sustainable. If I want to do an N-square connection, nowhere there should be state. That was beauty of yeah, NPLS, yeah. except for a VRF, which became VRF was a state at the first top. Outside of that, the P router right. yeah. had We no always state. wanted to do N-squared. We always wanted right. to do a full mesh, but we couldn't. Even exactly. in an MPLS network, we still can't. We can only do a partial mesh in real life. I, I wanted to come back to that because the answer here is we talked a lot about permanent connections, but Graphene is also very useful for ephemeral connections. That is, or temporal connections, if you want to get fancy. You know, I want to do this for two weeks to transfer some data, or I want to do this for... You know, I would need to set this up in the next two days. This is where the permissionless thing comes in. That's something that you can do that lots of other sorts of solutions can't. Yeah, but again, why? Because you're automating traditional technologies. You need to. You need an innovation. If we look at all the technologies we've built in the past, there was brilliance in everything. Mm. BGP route reflector was the first off-path controller. Brilliant idea. You look at SRV6. Brilliant idea, source-based routing, de defining how to do it. How do you actually remove unnecessary state at every hop in mm. forwarding devices? SDN was fundamentally trying to solve that problem. Yeah, and people yeah. just, traditional vendors, if the model is, oh, I can sell you a bespoke license for a customer inserting in the middle mile. That's not sustainable. Ask a guy who's lived 20 years in MPLS and saying, what was the problem with MPLS? The VRF routing inf state information. That wasn't able to scale. That's why we were not able to make those changes as quickly as we wanted because every other PE router had to be touched. If you start to look at it and says, take the best of all of these things, IPsec, why am I running a, in another control plane to just establish a, a, an encrypted tunnel? Why can't traditional routing protocols carry that information? There is so much way to solve this problem. What does uh, Davey Hillman do? It creates a pairwise key. Why can't mm -hmm. I send that pairwise key to a traditional routing model? Why do I have to build up a new control plane? I'm a routing guy through and through in my career. And I look at these problems and says, the only thing that scales is routing done right, labeling done right, SDN done right. And yeah. these are the three things which Graphene is introducing. If I did that, that middle mile is completely stateless. I can scale to the orders of magnitude. I mean, I'll give you a very simple example. I get excited with this. Mm -hmm. A typical software license that you buy from a technology vendor to spin up in a Megaport or a Equinix can say, okay, you need at least 
4.4 or 8.4 at to scale 500 IPsec tunnels. Now that license has locked in for a customer. Mm-hmm. No other person can use that compute, which is free because I'm not, I don't have 500 tunnels. I have 250. Mm-hmm. I have dead compute sitting there, which nobody else can use. If you have no state, no software license on a hop by hop basis, then that compute is available for throughput to be used by others. That's the beauty of multiplexing. That's the beauty of statelessness in the middle mile. Yeah. And we need to do that stateless middle miles. I think there's also a special use case here around healthcare and industries like it who need to obviously have the security part. You talked about the encryption and that sort of, and there's specific requirements in healthcare, but the healthcare also needs to connect to anyone and everyone. Have you got customers running in that space today? So, so healthcare currently is the most interesting industry. Healthcare has gone through some real shocks during COVID. All the revenue generating elective surgeries stopped because of emergency care. The hospitals where the electives were happening, where people, there were revenue generating services, they stopped because COVID was doing emergency care only. Another pandemic healthcare industry can't absorb that shock. So there is a very serious interest in healthcare industry to decouple the traditional elective surgeries from existing major hospitals. Mm. So they're going to go to ambulatory units. All of a sudden, what do you have? You have an ephemeral connected B2B partner for that duration of time where you're delivering that service. You have video. Also delivering traffic characteristics that are wildly different. I've got to send and receive this ginormous uh, CT scan, but I also have to send and receive, you know, highly latency sensitive data. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And one of our customers we're talking to, they're actually... These uh, the surgical uh, units will go to remote locations and they do video sharing exactly. so that the surgeons are able to see how and study that analysis of that whole surgical work that's been done. The second one is what happened during this mRNA vaccine. There is a lot of data sharing that happened between pharmaceuticals and major hospitals. That's been band-aided together. You're building point-to-point connections. You really need to have this free data flowing. And that's the beauty of a proper SDN mm-hmm. architecture that you, Mr. Pharmaceutical, and you, hospital, can make that strategy decision that you're going to connect at the control layer, then exchange information, exchange those encryption keys, which Graphian, by the way, never sees. And then they both say, this is the characteristics I am connected on a Graphian backbone, and this is the characteristics I am connected on the Graphian backbone. Yeah. They exchange that metadata information and they program my backbone. So this means That's you're getting what, away from IPSEC key pairs between two different yes. organizations. It's a it's a unified, much more unified type of idea. Am I also able to do service chaining? So that idea of my policy says I need to run this through a Palo Alto firewall or a Fortinet firewall, right? Can I yeah. use Graphian to steer it to a firewall, pass through the firewall, and then go onwards? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. see... We don't do de- pure destination-based routing. Only source knows where, where it's going and only destination where it knows it's where it's going. In the middle, it's all metadata tags. So if you give me a chain of metadata tags, I know exactly what to do. And now your destination just changed from your data center to a intermediary hop, which could be a firewall, which could be in colo, or it could be close to a DMZ. You decide how you want mm. to route the traffic. And again, we didn't touch the encryption key. It's not hop by hop. The encryption key source by the firewall is, yeah, and yeah. the pairwise it has the source, that data got exchanged. We didn't touch it. 
and yeah. you decrypt it where you want to decrypt. And that to me is interesting because there's a lot of organizers out there, organizers out there who still want to pass the data through a point for DLP or logging or inspection to meet policies or to meet regulatory requirements. Our networks have historically, like the SD-WAN, hasn't historically been able to do that because it usually just runs shortest path in here, out there. And flexing the SD-WAN model to send it down doesn't isn't so easy. Like encapsulating it once in a TLS or a NIPSEC and then popping it back out and then popping it back in, not an easy task because you have rating tables and that state has to be yeah. distributed across the network, right? Yeah. yeah. Essentially, from my perspective, it's all about source an application in the future application decides how I want to use the network. Today, the network de routing table decides how the traffic will go because it's destination-based. Application says, I want this behavior. The network says, this, these are characteristics I can offer. And then the application just programs the network. That's the long-term goal for graphing. And I want to jump on that. I know we're running, uh, running close to the end of this, but I want to jump on that in light of something you said earlier, Khalid, which is the whole notion of machine-to-machine or IoT traffic. Talk to us a little bit about the use case there and how Graphiant adds unique value when the application, so to speak, is not the traditional sort of user user accessing an app, but actually a remote physical device, perhaps communicating with another remote physical device or perhaps communicating with cloud-based analytics. From my perspective, the, the most interesting aspect of this is that a machine sits at the edge, the other machine sits at the edge, and cloud to me is just another high compute edge. Now, if you're deciding that, then this, the source says, I want this data to go peer to peer. I want this data to go client server where the larger compute is. And based on that connectivity, a same uh, application sharing model happens. It's the application that gets the data into our backbone and says, this is peer to peer. And on top of it, so many enterprises run overlapping addresses space. Mm. Again, the beauty of an SDN is, if I, my controller can give you the IP address that you can come into my uh, infrastructure and you give me the IP address that can come into my infrastructure, that way you, we are unique on both ends. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the middle does not need to do natting, doesn't need not to do touch any data. Service providers don't need to touch your data. Graphene yeah. will not touch your data. And based on that, the B2B, machine to machine, low latency, any and any transactional data, it happens. The control Once the control decide how you do the transaction, then the topology is built in the graphene core. Yeah. And you just you just program our graphene core that this is the way I want traffic to be routed. The thing here is that a graphene edge node could be inside the software of the edge, or it could be a machine that I own. And in my factory, and I've decided to connect the factory through the graphene network, yeah. or it could be a, somebody who's making machine, and part of it is that they want to do remote monitoring service, like a, an observability yeah. platform for those machines. Do they need servicing? Are they in balance? You know, whatever. Or maybe they're charging per unit from the machine. They can they can use the graphene networking strategy to do that. It does both types. And you highlighted something very, very interesting. So the two key things for me is, number one, my long-term goal is open source graphene of edge software. I really want to open source it. I don't want to control that. The, beauty, the, the, the IP is in the control plane and IP is in the stateless core. So edge software, in my opinion, should be open source. The second piece you highlighted, which is absolutely brilliant, is a factory floor machine would be a multi-tenant asset. Mm. The company that created all those pieces to build that uh, machine want to get access to give predictable maintenance. All of a sudden, that's a multi-point extranet connectivity. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? How do you secure that connect connection? Mm. That's such a big 
cri critical aspect of what we what we will be able That's... to do in the future especially since you want to be able to do that in a highly dynamic fashion. Yes, you can come in and, and maintain yep. this machine right this second, but once that trouble ticket has been closed, we want you to just go away and not have that access anymore. Right. And, and, and the interesting thing is everybody talks about the future is not about selling product. The future is about selling service. Yeah. I have a device that generates that data, which can be monetized, which is an asset for me to provide you a guaranteed service of my product. I do not want to walk away from that. And But the owner of that equipment or the product or a factory floor says, I can't just give you random access. I decide when you come in. And that connectivity, as you highlighted, can get on demand, shut down, closed in anytime I want. The user of the product decides when I want to give the creator of the product access. From my perspective, the biggest challenge you guys are facing is that because you solve so many different problems, it may be a little bit difficult to get your customers' heads around the notion of this is a paradigm shift in how you do networking, and this is why you need to shift your paradigm. Any thoughts on how to tell how to make that case because I've seen companies crash and burn with great products and great technology that solves multiple problems, but they fail precisely because they solve multiple problems. How do you tell the story in such a way that people say, yeah, it makes sense for me to think of a new way to do networking? Yeah. So from our perspective, the three use cases are your network edge and your network edge can connect to cloud, multiple clouds, the B2B, and all the SLA-based delivery we can get, provide to you. And one of the things I make as an argument that from digital disruption perspective, there are three things that are very important. Number one is cost. I want to give you complete price transparency. It's all consumption-based pricing. You use the bandwidth. It's predictable pricing. Networking guys have always sold on bandwidth, not on usage. Number two is the experience you get. Our discussions we've been having so far is about personalization of connectivity. Yeah. How I want to provide a low latency, any device, anytime, any connectivity. And the final thing I want to say is we're giving you a platform. We're giving a platform to create a marketplaces that you want to offer services as a company to your uh, customers. We'll give you ability to do peer-to-peer -peer communication. What we're trying to build is a platform that is ready for data monetization and it's ready for a sharing economy towards which we are heading to. And that to me is about, all is that's about digital disruption. With all of those use cases, it's also possible to onboard piece by piece. So this solution doesn't require me to throw out everything in my network and start again. Like with SD-WAN, it was very difficult to run SD-WAN and a routed network together. It wasn't impossible, it was just hard. You can increment into this over time. You're not driven to flip as ASAP. It's very much you can adopt it for just one thing and then just use it for more and more as it works for you. Yeah, and what I tell customers, try us for your B2B. Yeah. Try us for your cloud connectivity predict predictable. We'll give you this, uh, that those cap capabilities. We'll give you SLAs. We'll give you B2B connectivity without too much complexity. And try three sites and see the results. That B2B and cloud connectivity, I think, I think you've hit on the right answer, so to speak, which is here's a problem that you don't have an existing fix for try us here and then oh by the way check out how we can wring the complexity out of your day-to-day -day network as well yeah you just go to our portal click it and consume it and if people wanted to get more information about graphian and perhaps get in contact with you to get a salesperson out to talk to them about the product where could they go go to graphian.com we have a lot of good information on our 
uh, portal. Actually, I, I will back that up. It's not often that I do this, but I actually briefed myself from your sales collateral and it was actually readable. It wasn't a waste of my life like some is. So <laughs> there is some sales collateral and Graphiant is spelled G-R-A-P-H, Graph, I-A-N-T dot com. So it's exactly as it sounds, as long as you understand it's spelled Graphiant. I imagine you've got a network graph somewhere inside of your software. That's exactly the idea, that the current problem is a graph theory problem and we are yeah. solving it. Well, on that note, thank you very much for being with us today, Khaled. Thank you for coming back and seeing us again here on the Packet Pushes Network. It's great to see you again. Thanks, Jonah, for joining me on the call today. As always, if you've got any information or any feedback or any questions for us, don't hesitate to get in contact with us. The best way is to head over to our follow-up page, packetpushes.net slash FU. Give it, tell us um, what you're thinking, tell us what you liked and what you didn't like, and we'll try and change to make it good or worse accordingly. If you want to get in any information about Graphium, don't hesitate to go there for the same thing. We would love to send you over to them. And if you do get in contact with Graphium, don't hesitate to tell them that Heavy Strategy sent you. Remember, the questions are probably more interesting than the answers because the answers are your problem. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks.